everybody. I'm Edward, and welcome to the Edward Interview Show, where I interview interesting people. Today, we have two very, very special people, not just special special to me, but special to themselves, I guess. Um, Before we get into that, now that I have this platform to talk, I guess I'm going to just drag this out a little bit. Um, uh, I hope you're surviving. Hope you're safe. Hope you're wearing a mask. Hope you're social distancing. Um, You're, you know... Just stay safe. A lot of crazy stuff is happening right now. Stay home. Uh, don't Uber everywhere. Um, don't go out to eat. Just, just you know, there's a lot of frozen stuff that you can buy right now. Just do that, man. You know, uh, uh, sports teams. Uh, baseball's coming back soon. At the time of this is recording, and uh, basketball is recently came back, and it's a really interesting thing that people can sit at home and uh, watch arenas that aren't filled. But those teams are still going to get millions of dollars. Um, so uh, I guess that's a good time for me to say that uh, we're we're actually filming in a live studio audience. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Uh, don't worry. We're all social distancing. Um, I think it's about time uh, to introduce the guests. Uh, I guess, who's our guest? Oh. Pastor Gabriel and Pastor Lijinska. So without further ado, everybody, give a round of applause for our special guest. All right, and now that they're sitting down, we're going to go ahead and uh, continue on with the interview. Uh, I believe that the first question that should be asked uh, is a very important one, especially during these times, and that is, uh, how are you guys? We're doing good. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. (laughs) She agrees that we're doing well. (laughs) That's good. They're both doing good. That's that's great. Um, uh, Second question is, what's on your mind? What's on your mind right now? A lot. That's good. That's good. <laughs> There's been all kinds of stuff going on, you know? Mm-hmm. It's been uh, pretty wild, pretty chaotic in the world around us. The rain. It's raining a lot. It's always yeah. an issue in Houston. <laughs> We're getting a tag team right now by the coronavirus and a hurricane. So that's yeah, always... not good. <laughs> that's... Well, I mean, uh, I do like rain, but, uh, I mean... Hurricanes aren't that good, I guess. Uh, so I think I will ask you, which do you prefer in like a daily living life? You know, you're waking up, you know, you're getting out of bed. What do you prefer? Do you prefer an empty mind or do you prefer more of a, I know, you know, like a scheduled uh, you know, type of way of living? Do you live in a scheduled manner? I I think I I think I live in a pretty scheduled manner. I wish I could wake up and there'd be nothing on my mind, but as soon as I wake up, there's always a thousand thoughts running through my head. Um, Lajinska can tell you sometimes I start talking and she's like, "I'm not ready yet for all of that." But I want to be more scheduled. I'm definitely not. I can wake up and stay in bed for like a whole other hour just being on my phone. So that's a goal of mine to be more scheduled. And I also believe that uh, you are, Gabriel, you are one of the people who 
wake up very well. I would consider very early. Uh, uh, early ish. Usually, I'll get up. I I know people that get up earlier than me, but I try to get up uh, without uh, trying anymore. I get up about seven o'clock, whether I want to or not, just because my body wakes me up now. And I sometimes I'm good. Other days, I wish I wouldn't try to go back to sleep, but I can't really. Once I'm up, yeah. And uh, Lajitska, what what time? Uh, what kind of uh, you know? Wake her up, or are you? Oh, goodness. I think I naturally wake up 8.39, but like I said, I stay in bed for like another hour, so I'm getting out of bed like at 10. <laughs> uh, I can also say that I do not have a healthy sleep schedule, but I do, I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I am a noon waker-upper and a two-hour in bed, and then I get up and then I do the stuff I need to do. But I understand that as two very, very, uh, you know, I guess, would you guys say that you're busy most days or not? Or I would say most days I, I am pretty busy. Um, well, I, uh, I I try to stay busy. Yeah, I do take a day off on Mondays after the weekend and everything just to relax and unwind. On those days, I really don't have much going on, but... Uh, I do tend to try and stay pretty busy during the day. I'm not working currently, so he's definitely a lot busier than I am. Uh, I'm taking care of a lot of things with my health right now. But for the most part, my whole day consists of, like, taking care of my babies, Lucy and my two cats. Mm, yes. Uh, Raina and Zelda. They have they have three pets, right? Three? Three, yes. Yes, correct. three pets. And uh, don't worry, I'm also in your category as jobless right now. But <laughs> the Lord is is a, giving us abundance. Amen. He will give us Amen. jobs Amen. that we didn't even ask for. <laughs> That's what I believe. Come on, come on. But uh, you do have three three pets. And uh, yeah. let me ask, in what order did you get the pets? Uh, the first one we got was Raina. And she was just kind of a stray uh, that kind of lived around here. And that was back uh, before, actually, we got married. Um, we uh, I was still living with Julian. Julian was my roommate. Um, shout out to Julian. Shout out to Sirius. Uh, check out his new music. Yes. Um, but, yeah, we were still living together. And um, this cat had been coming around a little bit. And I remember asking her, it's like, do you want a cat? Like if we get to, you know, once we get married and she's like, no, no, uh, we don't want a cat. But then the first time like she met Raina before we even gave her a name or anything and she like rubbed up against her and she's like, yes, we're going to keep her like she's ours. Now. <laughs> That's crazy. And so, yeah, she just kind of came around, uh, came and went. Uh, she would go as she pleased, but eventually we kept her inside and uh, she tries to escape every now and then. But oh, that's, uh, all, that's all cats do. Uh, well, most our other one. Uh, well, the second one we got was Zelda. Yes, I like to say that all of my pets came from the streets <laughs> because Reina literally she showed up and like Gabriel said, you know, eventually we decided to keep her with Zelda. She was the second pet, even though she's our youngest pet. Um, my friend was the one who I adopted her from, but what happened was, is that she came home one day and a mama kitten, a mama cat had given birth to kittens in like a bucket in her garage. (laughs) 
So literally just another time that a stray just came and had a bunch of kittens. And so we met Zelda. We fell in love with her, brought her home. And then Lucy has a similar story to Raina. She literally just appeared in the parking lot of the church one day. And she was like playing with all the kids. And I was the first one who was like, oh, my goodness, get away from that dog. Like, you don't know. She could be dangerous. But then she followed us home. And I was like, oh, we have to feed her. And then she stayed. And I fell in love. And now she's ours. Uh, I also have two cats, and they are both strays, uh, Lexi and Gordo, and uh, we call them Gordo for obvious reasons, but uh, we have two strays also, and I can honestly say that there is a different approach that it comes to when you're dealing with stray cats is what's your approach when it came to, you know, like having them as pets? Uh, I mean, well, with Reina, it was a little, uh, with Reina... We think that she probably had a previous owner, but we, we, I mean, this is all speculation. We have no idea. <laughs> we think she was possibly abused by her previous owners because we've taken her to the vet before and they found like a BB from a BB gun, like under her skin, like but in between her skin and her fur. Wow. And so the doctor said it really doesn't, it won't affect her. Um, unless it gets in her system, but they said where it is now, it's fine. We don't even know if it's still there, honestly. But um, so she was very like right away when when she started coming inside, she already like easily took to finding a spot where she was going to use the restroom, even though I didn't have a litter box yet. Wow. And um, but once I got a litter box for her, immediately she already knew what to do with it, and. Um, the and the same was kind of true of Zelda. They had already had them training the kittens on litter box and Lucy too. She's pretty aware of going in and out whenever she needs to use the restroom, except for recently sometimes when she needs to pee. But oh, yeah. <laughs> other than that, yeah, Zelda is the only one though uh, of them that doesn't get along with everybody else, and she hates going outside. Oh, she she like doesn't like going outside at all. No. It's kind of funny because both Lucy and Raina came from the streets. And, I mean, we speculate that they had previous owners. We don't know. But really, our most problematic child that we have the most discipline issues with is Zelda. And I always say, like, she has known nothing but a life of privilege and luxury. (laughs) Yet she is the one. um, I mean, Raina's name is Queen in Spanish. And so you would think that she's the one who acts like the queen. But no, Zelda definitely runs the house. And so that's why she has to make sure that she's in charge at all times. Zelda doesn't like... Any of the pets? Any any of the pets. She's wow. fairly good with people. She can, if you get in her space, she might scratch you a bit. But, yeah, other animals she is not good with. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, my cats also do not like any body. You know, I, uh, I, my family sometimes have family members and guests over. And uh, the little cat, Lexi, just runs upstairs and hides. And then uh, the big cat, the guy cat Gordo, he just goes and he loves people. So, but I think it—I think it has to do with a lot with stray cats and you know that type of thing. I whenever I hear like y'all saying like, "Oh, the cats just came to your house and were hanging out, and the dog was following y'all," I'm thinking like God just made them for y'all. You know, like God made them and said, "Okay, follow them. They're gonna be your owners, and they're and they're gonna let you in." Trust me. Definitely, I think so. Uh, so now that we uh, have talked about pets, I I think it's funny that a lot of couples who 
go into having a relationship and then, you know, getting to the stage of getting married, a lot, I feel like a lot of couples have either two things. They have a cat before they get married or if they get married, then they have the pet. And then for y'all, it's basically both happened. Uh, so when it comes to marriage, what were some of the steps and some of the stages that it came when you guys said that we should take it to the next step and get married? Um, well, to start off, uh, I had told her since the very beginning when we had started dating that my intention was to be in a serious relationship and to be, be married. And I think she said it could caught her off guard at first, but that eventually she was just like, okay, I guess, you know, makes sense. Um, I'm not here for, I'm, I want a serious <laughs> yeah. relationship. You, you straight out told her, uh, me and you, this yeah, is going to yeah. be a long time. Okay? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, well, we're, we're five years apart. So I was as a little bit older than her. I was already like done. I was like, okay, I'm the next relationship. I want to be serious about it and focus on that. And so I had already had that in mind. So throughout our relationship, we have talked about different things about getting what it was going to look like when we got married and everything. Um, and, um, Though, I, I don't know, like, I don't think we had, like, a concrete plan or anything. Well, she might have. <laughs> well, let's hear what Legit's yes, got to say. I had a plan. <laughs> well, uh, yes, he told me, I think we had been dating for, like, two weeks when he told me, like, my intention is to marry you. So, of course, it caught me off guard. We had been together <laughs> for two weeks. Um, but I told him there's two things that I want to happen before we get married. A, I want to finish my degree. And that was just my way of like honoring my parents. You know, they, that was their biggest dream for me is to get my education, get a good job, have a good career. And so I wanted to get that done before I got married. And at the time, he had put his um, bachelor's degree on hold. And I was like, so I want to finish my degree and you have to finish your degree because we can't have it to where I'm married, I have my degree, and you you don't have your degree. So I said, I, I first want to graduate and I also want you to graduate and then we're good. Got you. And so, I think, did we graduate in the same year or did I finish it before? I don't remember. 2016. 2016. Yeah, so she graduated in the spring of that year, and then that fall, I finished my degree as wow. well. So you both Psycho. went into marriages, went into marriage with degrees, which yeah. is, well, I think about it as kind of rare nowadays. Is uh, both parties going in, you know, having degrees, getting their life set, you know, getting their life set. So when it comes to actually, like, okay, can we talk about a proposal? The, uh, that I because I don't have the all the details in that I don't think people out there have all the details of that so can you guys kind of run no, I down don't think the so. story yeah I'm sure um, so uh, I had wanted to propose to her um, I don't know if she knew it was coming um, I know she was probably ready at some point for me to propose. Um, she's like, all right, it's already been almost, it was almost, we had almost been dating for two years yeah. at that point. And I wanted to propose to her on Valentine's day. Uh, but I believe she was working. Uh, I had to work. I had to work. So we couldn't 
we could I couldn't do it on Valentine's Day, so I had to do it uh, on another day. Um, and we went. I went with before, right? The thirteenth, February the thirteenth, and so um, I uh, had I have a spare I had a spare key to her apartment, um, just in case of anything. And so what I did is that I went over early and I prepared a dinner for us, uh, chicken tikka masala, uh, and some red velvet cupcakes, uh, um, that I had prepared. And so I put it all like in a basket or whatever. And I had gone over the, I had a, I had opportunity to do that because I'd gone over to visit her for lunch. And so I had given her a gift at lunch, uh, cause it was like Valentine's Day. It's like, oh yeah, you know, and then we're gonna have, uh, our date tonight. And so I don't know if she knew or I had a feeling, uh, at the time, but we had our dinner. We went out. She lived in, uh, uh, right by the water, her apartment complex. And so we had a nice view of the, uh, bay and everything, harbor. That's what, that's what it is. Harbor. And so, uh, the last part of it was that I wrote her a poem. That would be the, my so way cute. of proposing to her. And so I wrote the poem in this little Doctor Who book, um, Doctor Who notebook that I got that has like a locking key on it. And you both that. are big fans of Doctor Who. Right. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am definitely more of a fan than her because I got her yes. into it. But I, I wrote the poem in the book and she's reading. She, I give it to her to read the poem. And I told her to, to read it out loud. I wanted her to read it out loud. But partway through, she's already crying. Like, I don't even know if she, she, she was thinking, like, this is what was gonna happen. Um, cause the last line of the poem was, will you marry me? And I was trying to be able to go get on my knee, one knee when that happened. But because she was crying, (laughs) I didn't have an opportunity to do that because I was trying to like comfort her. And so, yeah, and that's when I gave her the our, the engagement ring after that. Can I say anything about it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I knew that the time was coming. I didn't know exactly what you were planning or when. Um, that day when you came over to have lunch, I didn't... Th- I didn't suspect it. I just thought, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's almost Valentine's Day. We're going on a date. And then he got you. And he got you. <laughs> Normal like, couple just stuff. Gonna, I'm just going to make dinner. And, I'm, <laughs> and you know what? I prepared these nice little red velvet cupcakes. And I love red velvet. Well, both of the things he did. T- chicken tikka masala is, like, one of my favorite dishes. And red velvet is, like, one of my favorite cake flavors. So everything was like, oh, my God, yes, thank you. And, yeah, when he gave me that notebook and I started reading the poem, I knew. I was like, he's going to propose to me. So I started crying ugly tears. <laughs> like I was sobbing, wow. which is why he got scared. And he's like, oh, my goodness, are you okay? But, yeah, it was really sweet. I loved it. I was nervous, though, because at one point during our relationship, she said that if you don't propose to me on a hot air balloon, I'm not going to say yes. Oh, wow. Well, you can't get hot air balloons here. I mean, you got to go somewhere. You I know? mean, yeah, it would have to be somewhere else. On the but, car ride, yeah. she's like, oh, well, he's taking me a hot air balloon. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's um, – I think every couple has a, um, a sweet proposal. And you guys, that that proposal story is very, very, very sweet and very heartwarming. I know the audience at home are just going, aw. But uh, I think at the moment, like, the whole, like, crying thing, like, that's awkward. But it's cool because now at this, you know, at 
today, you guys just laughing about it. And that's what's cute, you know? <laughs> uh, so you propose, and then you guys are like, all right, well, I guess we're getting married. And by this time, uh, how introduced were you to Temple Emmanuel? I think at the time, actually, I don't remember when. I had already started visiting a couple times, so I already knew some of the people. Excel was also a way. Excel was our young adults group here. Um, and that was uh, also one of the ways I Shout started. Shout out to Excel. <laughs> Shout out to Excel. Rest <laughs> in peace. Um, but you, it's okay. We have Emmanuel Church now. Um, but yeah, that's how I started coming around people, getting to know people, making friends. Um, but then it was one of the Februaries. I don't know if it was, I think it was the February where you proposed to me, uh, they relaunched girls ministries here and they asked me to be a teacher. And so I did, um, I asked my pastor permission before I said, yes, I was like really excited about the opportunity, but I just obviously felt guilty because I felt like I was betraying my home church. But no, I, I had a conversation with my pastor that I was super nervous about and he was so sweet, so understanding. He's like, Mija, as long as you're still going to church and you're serving, I, I'm always going to give you my blessing that's, that's and so great. it was nice and then that's how I started serving here and then on the opposite side of the spectrum Gabriel what were your parents who are the uh the pastors of Temple Emmanuel how did they did they know before that you were going to propose or did you propose and kind of tell them like no, they they knew that they knew because they had to help me out get the ring. I was I'm not <laughs> in a financially uh, wealthy position to Got be able you. to afford it on my own. Mm-hmm. So my parents did help me out in getting the ring. So they did. They were aware. Her dad was aware. Um, her parents were aware as well. Well, I think her dad was aware. I don't know that your mom didn't know until after. I, I think so. But I did, I asked for her dad's blessing and everything too. So, uh, so yeah, every, everybody kind of knew what, what was gonna, what, that it was gonna happen. Um, uh, I think the most nervous was me asking her dad. That was like, I was oh, uh, asking for the blessing. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, that's right. I mean, I, I fear the day I have to go and ask that, you know, cause it, it, even if you know it's a yes, it's still like a nervous thing to even ask that. And you, of course, you have a good relationship with uh, your in-laws, uh, correct? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I do not speak Spanish as much as they do. Oh, gotcha. So we do have trouble communicating, but I think at this point in time, we were a lot better than we were. We, we've made it work. And Lajinska, when it comes to like your parents, uh, of where were you uh, like born and raised from? Like your your ethnicity and all of that. Right, uh, I come from Puerto Rico. I moved here when I was fifteen. I'm currently twenty five, so I can still say that I've lived more than half of my life in Puerto Rico, and I'm like really proud of that. Well, in but, a couple of years, you can't say. That, but. <laughs> yeah, in five years, I won't be able to say that. But yeah, I come from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And. Did the transition over here, that's got to be hard, right? Yes, it was 
it was difficult, even though I, I can definitely say that we're a lot more privileged than people who came from other countries. You know, thankfully, because Puerto Rico is part of the United States, we didn't have to go through a process like, you know, becoming citizens, something like that. Um, however, there was still a similar culture shock in that all of a sudden you're stripped away from all your friends, all your family, yeah. everything you knew. Of course, the culture is very different. There was a little bit of a language barrier. Thankfully, my sisters and I, we knew English, so it was a little bit easier for oh, us. Yeah. But my parents, they didn't know that much English at the time, so it was really hard for them, especially for my mom. And then even starting school, the first grade I started here was 10th grade. And I remember the first semester, it, it was sad at the time, but I can laugh about it now. Uh, the first semester, whenever my mom would pick me up from school, I would just cry. Like, I just oh. cry every day because it's here, school is so much more fast paced than it is in Puerto Rico. Terrible. Yeah. We need to fix the, we need to fix the school system I here. Yes, I I definitely like feel for the students whenever they say they're stressed because I can still think about how hard it was for me at the time. Um, so eventually I did get used to it, but it was it was a hard transition for sure. Got you. Uh, I think about like if I were to move right now, if I were to move from here to a different city, I would you know I would have to say of course say goodbye to my church, say goodbye to you know all my friends from school, you know, and I would go you know, somewhere two hours away and have to go to school there and how rough that would be on me. But then I think about, like, the people who go to, who live in one country and then they are kind of, they're like, okay, we're going to go somewhere else. They have to say goodbye to, you know, a cult, like their culture, you know. Like, of course, they still have their culture, but they have to get introduced to a whole different thing where it's just me, I'm going somewhere else. They're going to just speak English. They're going to teach the same thing, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I can think, I share something? Yes. <laughs> so I guess one of the, a couple of funny things in, in that culture shock, of course, both Puerto Ricans and Mexicans speak Spanish. Um, we do it with different accents. However, there's also words that in one place might be a bad word. And to us, it's just a oh, common word. Yes. We were so lucky though, because the first church we went to, there was a lady there. She was Mexican, but her husband was Puerto Rican. And so she took us to the side right away and she was like, okay, here's the words you can't say. <laughs> and we were so grateful that she told us that because we would not have known. And the other thing that was a bit of a culture shock is the in Puerto Rico, I mean, I don't know about now with the whole coronavirus situation, but in Puerto Rico, it's very common to greet people with a kiss. Everybody does it. Like oh, women with women. Yeah, women with men. Everybody greets each other with a kiss on the cheek. And so... <laughs> imagine coming to another country where people are not used to that and you're like oh hi and then they're like whoa <laughs> so that was yeah. a hard lesson but it's okay i got through it uh, there's a thank god for those people in the church that honestly are so uh, welcoming uh towards other cultures and of course like that uh and uh if i understand you grew up in the church also right yeah, I was born and raised in the church. Um, I've always been Pentecostal. The church in Puerto Rico was called Iglesia Pentecostal de Jesucristo or Pentecostal Church of Jesus Christ. It was once we came here that we joined an AG church, but it was very similar. You know, it was very easy to, uh, understand everything, you know, get along. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always been in church. I've, 
uh, I remember since I was little, I've been involved in like the children's ministry over there. I was involved in the youth ministry. I started teaching Sunday school over there and it was, it was pretty awesome because I remember when I first uh, came to the church here, my first church was Templo Hitzemani in Rosenberg. I hadn't told anybody that I used to teach Sunday school back in Puerto Rico. And it hadn't been but like two or three months since we had moved here that one of the sisters approached me and they were like, I think you'd be a good Sunday school teacher. And I was like, that's so crazy. It's, it's in your veins. <laughs> yeah, like I hadn't told anyone, but she just kind of knew, I guess the Holy Spirit told her something, but, and I had been wanting to, I missed teaching so that was awesome oh wow that's uh uh that's good i mean uh it's it's a privilege growing up in in church you know uh i think every person of religion thinks about you know if they didn't grow up in the church where would they be right now and i think it's cool that you know you grew up pentecostal christian gabriel of course grew up pentecostal christian you know and uh you both right here (laughs) yes he was right here in houston texas (laughs) Gabriel Garcia was born, and he became this beautiful man. Uh, but uh, obviously, Gabriel, uh, you grew up in the church, and you know, of course, you're starting off uh, as a PK kid. Which do you think it's twice as hard or twice as easy starting off as a PK kid? Definitely not easier. Definitely not. Um, as a pastor's kid, you definitely face uh, a lot of pressure. Um, like you, like me and someone else, uh, we could be the same age and we could have done the same thing, but I'm the one that would have gotten in more trouble. Uh, f- you know, I feel that as a middle uh, child. I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I would have been the one that would have gotten a harsher talking to, um, while the other kid might have gotten off of it. And, and not to say, I was, I was probably not the greatest kid, um, yeah. when I was a PK, uh, back when I was a younger kid. Uh, cause before, um, before a lot of this other, uh, our new building was built, or the building we're in now, I say new, it's like 20 years old. But, uh, before our main sanctuary was built, we had our other building across from the annex where we're at right now. And behind it, we had like some trailers that were there from like previous people who used to live on the lot, some trailer houses. I did not know that. And then it was just woods. And we were always told never to go back there. But I rounded up all the kids and took everybody back there. Like, um, (laughs) and yeah, and after church, the woods, the woods into the, well, we didn't go into the woods. We would try to explore the, the houses, but then, then they cleared that all up and they started building the new building and, uh, they laid out the foundation and stuff. And we were also told not to go over there. And we did. Um, and I took everybody back there again. Uh, all of my friends and stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, I would do stuff like that all the time. I would not pay attention in church and, um, I would be kneeling down in the front bench because I was not praying, but because I was making paper airplanes or drawing or something like that. Uh, yeah, or sleeping. (laughs) I would be making all this stuff and then I'd try to sell it to people at church. Wow. And people would buy it. I don't know why. Honestly, I'd mostly sell it to family members and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. Here's a dollar, you know. But, I mean, it's, it is a lot of pressure. It is a, it, you grow up under the shadow of your parents. And one thing that I had always 
felt that I've talked to a lot of PKs about is that, you know, you're never you. You're always Pastor Mary's son, Pastor Ruben's ah, son. Yes, like they don't even know that. your name. Like I've had I've had situations where that like I've been talking to people and they'll tell me it's like, oh, you're Pastor Mary's son. What's your name? Like they, they don't know who I am. Like they know who I am, but they don't know me. I was actually going to introduce you as Pastor Mary's son. <laughs> uh, I know you're Gabriel, of course, and you are your own Person, right, of right, course. and that that was something difficult I had to learn growing up to be able to figure out for myself. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of good things as well. You know, you you learn a lot because I've been involved in pretty much every ministry there is to offer in the church because I grew up learning kids ministry, youth ministry, puppets, um, the kids choir, media, kids choir, worship team. I've I've done everything you know uh preaching and i mean i was a youth leader here uh when power youth was still power and hope youth ministries and um when that started i was just like 16 years old yes i was actually uh, i was actually gonna say getting thrown well uh, would you would you say getting thrown into like Okay, you're the youth pastor now at 16 years old. How much? Pre- I'm 17, and I couldn't. I don't. I'm. I don't. Know it was. It was a lot. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm very grateful for my youth pastor who was there. Uh, her name is Cecilia Escobedo. Uh, she was one of the youth pastors before that, and she um, mentored me. She saw that I had leadership potential, and uh, at least that's what I hope she saw <laughs> that I had leadership potential and not that I was just a PK that was acting out. So she had to put, make an effort to calm yeah. me down. But, um, no, I, she saw potential in me and, uh, she, she helped me out, uh, in, in that uh, role. Like, honestly, I wouldn't have, I would not have done that also if it were not for one of my high school teachers, actually. Um, right before I became one of the youth leaders, uh, one of her uh, helping students uh, here in Power and Hope Youth, um, I had a teacher in high school who was the sponsor of, for for those that might still know Lifelight at North Shore, she was a sponsor for uh, Lifelight, uh, Christian Campus Ministry uh, at North Shore. And she reached out to me one year, and I had, at that year, I had felt that I had a calling from God on my life, and he told me that I, w- I was going to preach, and I didn't know what that meant. But I was like, you know, maybe I'll get involved in Lifelight at school. And the only times I had been there before were parties. Like, I never showed up for anything else yes. other than parties. The like, just parties. for food <laughs> and for the games. Like, that's the only other reasons I was there. But uh, I went, and they were recruiting leaders at the beginning of the year, and she told me, you know, I, she thinks that I could do something. And uh, her name was Miss Hoff. She no longer teaches there, but... Um, she shout out Miss Hoff. Shout out to Miss Hoff. She she inspired me because after the after that uh, the next day in class she said we're looking over the like applications for the different leaders and she said I know you didn't ap- uh, put your application in to be the president of the club but. I think that you would do a great job in that role. And I told her, I said, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I said, I'll, I'll have to think about it. And I'll get back to you. And I was just walking down the hall and I, I just felt the Holy Spirit, uh, like tap me on the shoulder and tell me, it's like, you know what you have to do. And so after school, I went back and told her, yeah, you know, I'd go ahead. And I started getting involved in leadership here at the church as well. And then they told me, you know, my youth pastor, um, 
she stepped down um, uh, as she was continuing her education and other things that were going on in her life. And she stepped down. And then I was left there at 16 years old. And I was just like, I, I don't really know a lot of what I'm doing. I'm grateful for what I've been taught before. And like at the time, we only had one youth service a month. So it was a little easier. Um, wow. We had one youth service a month and we did Tuesday night prayers. And that was what we did. Like that was our thing. And so I went all out trying to make our Tuesday night prayers as best as they could. Sometimes it was only me, Sam, and Michael um, who would be there. But we would worship and we would pray. And then we'd do the best we could at youth services. But uh, it, was, it wasn't easy, but I enjoyed it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. And it pushed me forward into the calling that God had for me. That is uh, Gabriel's origin story. <laughs> Basically, that is that is yeah, basically story. Uh, obviously, I was uh, uh, a member of I've been a member of this church for a long time. And I remember seeing those guys, you know, uh, Sam, Michael, uh, obviously guy who's still here. Uh, those were some of the founders of the worship team. You know, those are the people who really built up the worship team that's now today. And uh, so now that we've talked a lot about, you know, back then, uh, we're going to talk about now, now, of course, uh, now, uh, not the whole coronavirus era, but I'm talking <laughs> about, um, let's talk about uh, one subject that I don't know a whole lot about. And I, I would like to know more about um, your wedding, which is <laughs> our wedding. a... Uh, Privilege to be invited to, by the way, because I know you guys were probably stressing about who to invite. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll let Lejinska talk a little bit on this one because I've been talking for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know anything specific about the wedding or like behind the scenes Uh, planning? What were the most stressful parts about the wedding for you? Okay, so before the wedding, the planning was really stressful. Like you said, Oh my goodness, the guest list was really hard. Like us Hispanics, we like throwing parties with like 600 people. <laughs> However, yeah. the venue that we chose was very limited in how many people we could invite. So yeah, that that's still something that to this day sometimes bothers me. Like oh, I wish I could have invited this Honestly, person. Honestly, it was it was a very beautiful venue that y'all Thank chose. You. Yeah, I, I had the privilege to go, and I thought it was amazing. <laughs> uh, but of course happiness and you know getting married is is great of course but when it comes to a wedding it could be very very stressful i've heard from many different people about the stresses of wedding so it's not only the guest list but like uh well how were you doing financially at that you know with the oh whole wedding goodness. thing well we were we were very blessed obviously it was hard but we were so blessed even the story of the venue like i originally saw that venue i think it was on instagram through an ad and i fell in love with it the video wow. was gorgeous um but i went to their website and their price was out of budget and so we had gone i think to one other place or a couple other places and i was just like eh, don't really like it and gabriel was the one who was like baby let's just go to that one that you liked and i was like wow why would we go if we can't afford it? I'm going to fall in love and like, it's going to break my heart. 
but it's, you know, it's just so crazy. Like we ended up going, we made an appointment to go and it just so happened that at that time they were doing this sort of spring special. And so it was like wow. several thousand dollars cheaper. <laughs> and so wow. we were, it, it, it fell inside of our budget and we were able to book it, but oh my goodness. That's a blessing. Yes. That's a blessing. <laughs> and we also had, you know, Gabriel's family, my family, um, some of our friends, like my older sister, she bought my dress. Like, you know, we had a lot of help. And so we're in our, in the church, you know, like our decorations were done by a church member. We had a fruit stand that was done by another church member. So we were so, so blessed to have a lot of friends and family that just kind of came together to put the wedding together. <laughs> very, 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 uh, a special time. It was a, a special time, of course, for you, but for me, because uh, I grew up, you know, kind of, you know, while Gabriel was growing up. So I, I saw Gabriel's growth. You know, I, I was seeing Gabriel when he was doing youth services with like people who don't even aren't even here anymore. And he was, you know, building and then him building, you know, the English ministry, the Emmanuel Church to him getting married. Like that was crazy for me to see, you know. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about the wedding was uh, picking bridesmaids and uh, the the other one, I forget the name. Uh, Groomsman. Groomsman. Groomsman, there you go. Yeah. Um, was that stressful or did you already know? I think I pretty much had an idea uh, already of who was going to be uh, my groomsman. I, I don't think I had a hard time. Uh I think at one point, though, I was like, there was other people I wish I would have included. And it's just like, oh, but, you know, uh, money. Gotcha. <laughs> and we didn't want to stress anybody out or anything like that. And so how many did we have in the end each? Seven each. Seven bridesmaids and seven. Because I think our original number was like, we had said, okay, let's do four. But then we like kind of kept adding on until we ended up at seven each. Yeah. I, and so, you know, my brother was my best man. Uh -huh. um, and I also had um, Robert, uh, Julian, Alfonso, um, Gallo, and Sam, and um, Jared, uh, my friend Jared. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think there were other people at the time. I was like, I wish we could include more people, but, you know we don't want to include like a whole lot of people either. Yeah. It's like, we're just going to have like, like the longest wedding ever <laughs> from, from each side. And then of course you, you had a, uh, uh, your bridesmaids. Yeah. So obviously I knew my sisters were going to be there. Yeah. My best friend, Kim, she was my maid of honor. She's amazing. Shout out to Kim. <laughs> oh, she was so amazing. She helped me plan a lot of things. Um, with the wedding itself, she planned my bachelorette party, which was a fun time. Um, and it was hard. Uh, like Gabriel said, like we would keep thinking of people who are really special to us and we would want them to be there. Um, and that's still something else that I have a regret about. I was like, oh, I wish I would have made this person uh, uh, one of my bridesmaids. But it's okay. I think seven is a lot. I've definitely seen people who've had more than seven. But 
if you see a picture of the stage, it looked crowded. Yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't keep yeah. adding mm-hmm. people. But it's just fun. I always I think of my bridesmaids as people that, you know, hopefully throughout the rest of our lives are people that I'll still have in my life, still can depend on. They're close friends, you know, that I can reach out to for anything. So it it just it's a hard selection, but it's a really spe- special thing. Like you're not just inviting them to stand up there and like join you for this party. Um, they're your friends. They're, it's special. It means something. Uh, so it was like, I'm thinking about it. Like this is like a day come true for you guys, honestly. Uh, so after, you know, of course the whole wedding, you know, you guys are officially married now. What comes from them? How do you guys move from there? Well, afterwards we went on our honeymoon um, to uh, uh, Cancun. Yeah. In Mexico. Shout out to Cancun. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we'll be there one day again once the coronavirus uh, calms down. Um, but yeah, uh, after that, um, I believe um, right before the wedding, we had already kind of started moving in some of her furniture. And, into the house and everything. And um, just so that we wouldn't have to worry so much about it because she had to move out of her apartment already, uh, before then. And so we had started moving out. Uh, she went back with her parents and she took a bunch of her clothes and things like that. But we moved a lot of the furniture and everything over before so we wouldn't have to worry about that on, you know, while we were out traveling and everything. And um, So, yeah, and then after that we came back home we did take a a, a, we also made we were very specific about taking some time off uh in terms of like ministry i didn't preach or anything for like a month and i wasn't involved in anything we were just taking a break take it easy just to trying to get used to like our new normal you know i have stories (laughs) so first of all i think A lot of people had told us that, oh, once you, like, move in with each other when you're married, that's when you're really going to get to know the person. And so I was afraid. I was like, what if I get married and, like, move in with this person? And I'm like, who are you? But it's not true. Like, I I don't think I learned anything that I was like, wow, I have never thought of you this way. I think I learned more about myself, if anything, once we moved in together. Like, I specifically remember, and again, something we can laugh about now. It was just sad at the time. Um, I think the first week we had gone back, we went to Walmart to do groceries for the first time and I broke down in the parking lot and Gabriel was like, what, do you remember this? I don't think you remember, but no, I broke down in the parking lot and Gabriel was like, why what's going on? And I was like, I'm so lonely. And like, I felt trapped. I really like, I remember at that time I described it to people as like, when we came back from our honeymoon, I felt like they just kind of shoved us in a house and closed the door and they're like, figure it out. You wow. know, <laughs> like that's how it felt for me. Like, Oh my goodness. All of a sudden I'm thrown into this new reality that I wasn't used to at all. And I was so, I don't know why at the time I was really lonely but you know eventually I started reaching out to my friends again and I was like hey just because I'm married doesn't mean that you can't contact me <laughs> please reach out to your young married friends they still need your friendship um so yeah it was funny we can laugh now but it was hard <laughs> at first uh, of course moments you know that like that it's you know you can laugh about that uh, of course now but I think it's uh would you describe it as like a 
like uh, after marriage, like just jitters or like just how you felt? I, so it definitely, I think even going into a relationship, even when you're not married, you very quickly realize that your priorities kind of change. Mm -hmm. And so if you had friends that you would hang out with like all of the time, all of a sudden when you're in a relationship, you kind of have to divvy up your time between the relationship and your friends. And I think with marriage, it adds an additional layer because now you're living together. Um, And I think at the time I just didn't have the knowledge or I just wasn't used to like, okay, I still need to keep up with my friends. I still need to contact them. I can still go out and hang out with them. Cause that was a thing too, that I remember you told me after that happened, you're like, baby, you can go out and hang out with your friends. You are not trapped here. I don't know why I felt trapped, but you know, he very quickly reassured me that like, you are not trapped here. You can absolutely go out with your friends. Um, so yeah, just kind of learning to keep your community. You know, I, that's something I like talking about a lot, especially during this whole coronavirus situation where we've had to be very separate from our community. I can definitely feel how hard it's been like with my mental health. And I I know that it's been hard for other people because we're made for community. Like we're made to have other people in our lives. And I definitely needed my community and my sisterhood. You know, when I first got married, I couldn't just like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to make it on my own with my husband. No, I think I I wouldn't have made it. (laughs) Got you. And uh, I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to, like, starting your own ministry. You know, I, I think that's, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was a, a dream for you for a long time was to make the English service Emmanuel Church. Yeah, um, I think it had been something um, we had wanted to do as a church overall with Pastor Mary uh, for a very long time, like, before we did Emmanuel Church and we had Spanish and English services separately, we would do bilingual church. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you grew up in that and mm-hmm. you know that those services yes. tended to be pretty long. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, two hours and uh, two and a half hours on a Sunday morning, you know, because everything is translated. The music is translated. The preaching is translated. Everything is translated. And so it does add time. You know, I've preached before with Leginska and, you know, I might, when I'm preaching on my own, I have a set of standards like that I will do uh, for my time, like for time-wise. So I I was like, okay, I know that this will probably take about this much time. But when I know I'm preaching with Leginska and she's going to translate for me, I have to cut back like half of what I would be doing because I know that it's going to take twice the time to be able to do it because now we're doing two languages. And so that was one of the reasons, uh, one reason, uh, because we knew that there were a lot of people in and out of our own church that needed to have church in their own language, in the language that they grew up with. Thank God for Emmanuel Church. (laughs) Because that's how they would connect with God. And uh, other than that, that was like, you know, the basic goal behind why we'd split between two services. But the other than that, we wanted to be able to create a space where we could say, um, we, uh, as a church, want to be able to reach out to people who don't know Jesus specifically or people that 
have been in church before, but have been burned out by church. They've been hurt by someone in the church or by hurt by the church in general. And there's a lot, a lot of people like that. And so we've tried to do our very best to, to cater our ministry to that, to make things where it's not super religious-y, you know, I don't, that's not a word, but super um, traditional and well, like, uh, formatted in in the traditional way, but to give people room to feel comfortable and explore and ask questions about God and about faith and life and uh, to give them room to heal as well for people that are coming in that are coming hurt uh, so that they can experience something new. And so we had been thinking about like that for a very, very long time. For many years, I had been um, uh, suggesting that we do it here. Um, you know, as a youth pastor, I was like, we need it, we need it, we need it. And it's not that, like, it, you know, I won't say that the leadership thought that we didn't need it. It's just that at the time, we weren't ready. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the people. But it just so happened about... Um, will be three years next year that we started. Um, at that time, we felt that, you know, now is the time to be able to start this. And, you know, we're still small, but I, I'm not unhappy with that because the group that we have, we have the opportunity to build our group as the core of what we're doing to move forward for our future. And God will bring people as he will, and we will yeah. do our best to to minister to them the best we can and and make that space possible for them, a safe space for them. Uh, I'm actually glad you said that because uh, I think it's important for, you know, some people to understand that uh, a big church is not a good church. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in a way of saying, you know, a very, you know, it doesn't really matter how many people go. It's uh, I remember you saying, you know, if, Tomorrow, we had a bunch of people come to the English service, uh, Emmanuel Church. Would we, would we be ready? And you said, no. And you said, you know, over time, can develop that. And, you know, and that's, that's what I think this is. It's just, it's, you know, it's very much developing. And I think even today during this whole coronavirus situation, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing, you know. I, I love, uh, you know, whenever I to uh, come unfortunately this whole thing uh, kind of stopped that but uh, I loved uh, coming to English service it was a it was a door uh, for me uh, you know growing up in a Hispanic family in a Hispanic church that didn't know Spanish so uh, it, I feel it, you know, <laughs> yes I know uh, it was a it was a door for me you know and I'm uh, I'm glad to see where it's been so far you know and you're right you know it the size of the church doesn't make it any better um you know some people will argue with you and say that no a church has to be small and that's what makes a good church or a church has to be big and that's what makes a good church um i think really a good church is just dependent on its people one and how they use the resources that they have because a lot of people can complain well we don't have this or we don't have that but we can make do with what we have to serve the people that we have and ultimately it's about loving god and loving people and if we can do that well then that's what makes a church healthy and that's what it makes people want to be a part of it, you know. Uh, that is where we are at currently. We're, of course, you're 
uh, adapting to the situation. You are doing services online, uh, live streaming, of course, and you know, uploading it onto YouTube and Facebook and all of this, adapting to what we have now, uh, which is good because it allows people to keep their relationship with God even though this is happening, you know? I I can say that I can keep my relationship with God right now because of all these services more than I can keep relationships with my friends at school, you know, because I'm not able to see them, you know, and uh, that type of stuff. But with these services that are going online and streaming, it really is helping a lot, you know. I would hope. <laughs> uh, if, if, if anybody that's going to watch this hasn't watched or joined us already, I hope that you do. My, at mymanualchurch.com slash watch. Um, um, but I hope that people definitely, uh, it's been a whole learning process for us, learning how to figure out how to stream. I mean, before we just kind of recorded audio and video separately and then posted it like later in the week. But now we're, we had to learn a whole new skill set uh, when it comes to live streaming. And little by little, we've acquired more um, equipment and things to help us do better at what we're doing but it is always my hope that every time that we stream that people will be able to share it and uh, be blessed by it because definitely we are also reaching people that we didn't reach before Um, you know and, and that encourages me and scares me at the same time because then I'm like man I gotta preach better <laughs> um, but yeah um uh- We've we've been talking for a long time, and I think it's it's a, a good time to kind of segue into uh, some of the questions that I've been asked for you guys. Uh, I actually want to start off with uh, a question that um, uh, is very interesting uh, that my family asked for you guys. Uh, my brother Christopher, shout out to Christopher, asked uh, this very uh, icebreakery question. Uh, if you were to describe yourselves, each other, in one word, what would you be? So I have to describe Lajinska or yes. she and she? Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> Lajinska's Do you have like. a word already? <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, we have, give us a second. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, in one word. One word is so hard. Because there's so many good words that I have, you know? Aww, that's, that's so sweet. But we only need one word, game. <laughs> we only need one word. Better be the right word. Better be the right word. If I were to describe Lajinska in one word, um, I would say the thing that carries a lot of what she does is that she's loving. Um, she's very, (laughs) she's very, she's very passionate about social justice and things here at church and, and just everything that she does, she does because she loves people and wants the best for the people around, even people that she doesn't even know, you know, she knows that they deserve to be treated, um, with love because they're 
sons and daughters of God, and even if they don't know that, um, but that 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 encapsulate it like covers like everything that she does. Like she just reaches out to people. She loves to teach in girls ministry. She loves to uh, be here with the team uh, with youth ministry. She's always thinking and asking about y'all, and uh, just uh, everything that she does. I, I would say she's just so loving. And now, loving legends. <laughs> what do you have to say about? I was going to say loving for you, too. But since you stole my word, I'm going to say helper. A helper. <laughs> a helper, yes. So lately, I've been very into the Enneagram. If y'all don't know what the Enneagram is, it's a type of personality test. And to me, it's been very enlightening to get to know other people and myself as well. And one of the words that they choose to describe Gabriel's personality type, which is type two, is helper. And I can definitely see that, like... And the reason why I wanted to use the word loving as well is because I know that the source behind why he always wants to help people is because he loves people. Mm. Um, it, it's funny, like, it, in both extremes, I remember even when we were dating, we had some arguments because you'd be helping people too much. And I'd be like, maybe they're going to take advantage of you. But, you know, regardless, like, I knew that he just had such a huge heart. You know, he has a huge heart for people people for the city the community he's always wanting to think about like what what more can we do to make an impact in this community what more can we do to help people um even when he's doing things like technology i'm very like simple when it comes to these things like if i were in charge of this it would literally just be like one little phone facebook live that's it like (laughs) i wouldn't like put as much like care and time as he has but i know that he does it because he's like no i want people to get the most out of this experience and so yeah he's definitely a huge helper <laughs> but and he's very loving because the source of that help is how much love you have oh uh th- this next question is also for Lijinska. Okay. Uh, sorry gabriel <laughs> this one is from uh my dear Mima. thank you mom i know you're watching oh uh she asked uh, a question to you i know you guys are friends and she wanted to ask this question she said and i quote did you ever think we're going to marry a pastor? Ooh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I I ever thought that I was going to marry a pastor. I knew since a very young age that <laughs> whether I was happy with it or not at different points in my life, I knew that God had called me to ministry. I knew that God had called me to serve, um, both because I felt it in my spirit and also because a lot of people confirmed that over my life. And like I said, I had kind of like, at some points I was like, yes, you know, I want to work for Jesus. And then at other points I was like, why? <laughs> but I always knew that I, my life was going to be in service to God, but I, I had a different image in my head of what it was going to look like. I don't think I ever thought of myself as becoming a pastor or a pastor's wife. Um, but it's, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> I don't regret it. Uh, that's, I mean, yeah, that, that's uh, a good way of, of saying no. But no. <laughs> uh, uh, this last question is by uh, uh, our dear friend, Mr. JJ. Hi, JJ. Shout out to JJ. Um, he asks, and this is going to be the uh, this is going to be a, a very good question for you guys. Um, it is, what was the first thing that you both saw in each other when you first met? Can I say my thing first? Okay, I liked him before he liked me. 
but that's because I, the very first, not the very first time I had seen you, or maybe it was, I don't know. But anyways, the first time I fell for him was when he was invited to my church to come preach at a national youth service, or I think it was a, (laughs) it was a, I think it was a pastor's kid's service, actually, because I remember you talking about, you know, the life of being a pastor's kid. And that's when I first saw him. And I was like, wow, he's so cute. And I love what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) And I just fell for him. And then I think either at the time or soon after he became a leader in the district. And so, of course, I would always see him on stage at the events. And I'm like, look at him. He's so beautiful. (laughs) And then finally, when we, uh, like, actually started talking to each other was when we went on a missions trip. And I'll just kind of let you take it from there. Um, yeah, from the missions trip uh, to San Antonio. Was it San? Yeah, yeah. San Antonio. Uh, for some reason, I thought Louisiana for a second, but no. I've taken too many to either of those places. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she, like she said, she liked me before. Um, I know, like, and to me, to my knowledge, I was meeting her for the first time on that missions trip. Wow. Um, but in retrospect, some situations that I remember that she described when she was talking to me clicked in my head and I remembered them. And one I remember in particular, like um, she said that, you know, back when I was a youth pastor and uh, she tried to say hi to me after like a youth leaders meeting or something. And one of the youth, Hera, who's no longer here. Shout out to um, Hera. Um, I was just greeting people and talking to people. And she came up to me to say hello. But Hera, like, tackled me to try to wrestle me to the ground. Wow. I have no idea what possessed him to do that. That's but, Hera. you know, that's just him. And she was like, oh, this is so, it was so awkward. Man, and then when she described that situation, I was like, oh my God, I remember that. I, I, obviously, I was like sort of around the, that where like that time where he's talking yeah. about those youth. And like, that was, that's like normal. Yeah. That was like normal. Like, it was the, like normal. So it's, it's cool looking at like you seeing that and being like, like, well, that, that, what is kind of awkward, yeah. but like that's, that's kind of what like happened during that youth time. But from, from, from when I first met her, I, I, I told her, so the first thing that I noticed that she was wearing the same running shoes that I had. Uh, and so like, at first I thought she liked running, but later I know that she, she does not like running. Um, so it was all an illusion. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, like, uh, even after that, you know, like, I don't know, something about her struck me and like the whole trip I was trying to get to know her a little bit better. Of course, I really couldn't because I was in charge of the trip myself and Julian and like I had a job to do. Wow. And so I couldn't really like try to like, you know, do anything or get to know her better. But I, I, I found my ways. I, I couldn't shoot my shot, you know, uh, during the during the trip. Um, but I found ways around it. Like I'd start, like, uh, I had like started a conversation with a bunch of people and started like going down the table, asking them different things about themselves, getting to know them, you know, but you really wanted, but really trying to just find out about her. Right. Right. Um, 
And I think it was on the last day of the trip when I was like, okay, we're like trip is over. That's when I finally started like talking, talking to her and trying to shoot my shot. Uh, um, uh, and the story is, is that eventually she said, she said that at that point, right before the trip, she said that she had been done with me. Like she was like, and she's like, ah, you know, it's never going to happen. Uh, and she didn't know uh, that I was in charge of the trip. And so she gets there and I'm greeting everybody. She gets here to the church. Um, this is where we were meeting up. And she's a, I'm greeting everybody. And she tells me later, she's like, I just wanted to walk the other way. <laughs> she's like, I just wanted to leave. And she's like, I thought I was done with him. And I thought I was done with you and everything. But, you know, it didn't turn out that way. Wow. <laughs> but like there were a lot of different things that I remember admiring. I, obviously, she's very beautiful. Um, but uh, also, she was an amazing preacher. Uh, I could tell like we she was uh, she was one of the people that we would go to or I would go to and tell like to uh, get the rest of the girls together. She was uh, obviously a good leader because people would listen to her. Um, They wouldn't always listen to us, but they would listen to her. Um, uh, But yeah. And so we did. Like, I, there was a lot of things that just stood out to me. And I know people will say, like, you know, did you, uh, like, the story that some people know is that we went on our first date uh, because she left a pillow in the in the van. And people are like, oh, you kept the pillow? No, I didn't keep the pillow. And no, she didn't leave it on purpose. Um, it was just purely accidental. In fact, she didn't even want it back at first. She was just like, I don't need it. She was like, it's okay. It's I was like, like does yeah, you know. <laughs> but I was insistent. I was like, no, let's hang out and I can give you your pillow back. And I took her on a date that she didn't know was a date. Uh wow. Yeah, I took her to eat sushi, and then we went to a coffee shop, and to a bookstore, and then to a museum, and uh, and the whole it was time she's like, "This isn't a date, right?" <laughs> she's like, "This isn't a date, right?" Yeah, yeah. But then that was our first date, you Got know. You. And so, yeah, that that's kind of the story of like our meet, uh, like our final meet, our fir- our first and not really first meet. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, finally, our our last question. From our, our very own, your your mom, uh, Pastor Mary, she asks uh, a very important question, especially right now, and it's how do we support pastors now, in, you know, in these times? Pray for us. <laughs> pray, yes, absolutely. Uh, pray, I mean, pray, 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 definitely. You know, that's if you can't do anything else, not to say that you can't, but if you don't know what else to do, pray. Um a lot of pastors are under a, a, a different kind of stress right now. Like I've talked, like I've talked to some pastors. We talked to Pastor Melissa, and one thing that she said that I said the same thing, and Lajinska has felt before is like I felt like at the beginning of all this, I was working like two or three times as much as I, I normally did when we met in person. And I think part of that is just learning new things and having to jump into unfamiliar territory. And um, we definitely need prayer. Uh, and uh, if you can, uh, and if you have talent or desire or ability to want to be like on our media teams and things like that, definitely say yes, get in contact with us because we do still like, since we're still meeting online, we still need a lot of help in those areas. Um, we so, won't yeah. say no. 
We, will, we won't we, say no. We won't say if no. you have no talent for it, if you don't know nothing, it's okay. We will teach we you. We won't say no. <laughs> if you have a pulse. <laughs> Do you want to say anything? Yes. Um, so, yeah, what you're saying is really good. Um, of course, praying for us. And even with serving, like, not only to help Emmanuel Church grow or whatever church you're in grow, I truly believe that serving helps you as a Christian. Um, I don't think the Christian experience is completed without you serving in some sort of way. And there's so many different ways and different opportunities to serve. It doesn't always require like a weekly commitment. Sometimes, you know, if you can help plan a big event, thank God we need help planning those big, big events, you know, and if you have somebody who has the availability to be here week by week, then amen. We also need those weekly volunteers. Um, but one of the things that I've learned, I learned it for my own self first, and then eventually we talked to the team about this, and I, I encourage everyone in this way. Um, it's okay to say no. <laughs> Even if we ask you and we say, hey, can you please help us with this? We might not know everything that you're doing right now, everything that you're going through. So it's okay to say no, um, both for your own self-care, because ultimately you matter more than what you can do. You know, we would much rather have you here, have you whole, have you healthy, than give us whatever talent you have. Um, and we told the team that because we said, you know, if you get to the point where you're getting tired, it's okay to be honest with us. Um, and it's going to be, again, both good for you and also good for the church because we don't want volunteers that are just burned out and tired. You know, they're going through all these different things. We love you and we care about you more than what you can offer us. So please be honest if we ever ask you or a pastor ever asks you to do something and you truly, you, you can't, you know, you feel it that, you know, I'm not going to be able to make that commitment. It is okay. It's okay. So please just be honest with us. It's uh, uh, like I, I I'd like to add on to that. It is very much completely comfortable with pastors or, or uh, you know, some pastors whenever, you know, if you're asked to do something or, you know, it's obviously completely okay to say no to things. You know, I myself, I've done various many things for many ministries uh, in in. <laughs> Shout out to Edward, yeah. Uh, and Temple Emmanuel, including interviewing both of you. And um, I very rarely say no to things, but if I do feel like I'm not comfortable with things, I do say, I will say no. Uh, and, you know, we want everyone to feel comfortable. But obviously, if you want to help us with anything, we won't say no. Yeah, I'd rather people say no right away than... Uh, try to be spiritual about it and, and say, I'm going to pray about it, but they have no intention to actually pray about it. And they're just like, go. I'm just going to use this to buy some time and then say you. no. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but no, definitely. Yeah. We, we appreciate everybody that helps on all of our teams with power youth, with Emmanuel church, with Templo Manuel and everybody as well. You know, um, anything that you can do is a help, but like Lajinska said as well, like if you feel that it's too much for you, that's okay too. You know, Absolutely. we love you still. <laughs> uh, are there any closing remarks that you would like to say? Anything that's on your mind that you've been wanting to say publicly in front of a couple people? Just in this whole coronavirus situation, hang on. I know it's hard. 
It's been hard for us as individuals. It's been hard for us as a church. Um, and really, it's so unprecedented. And we don't know when this is going to be over, what it, what tomorrow's going to look like. But we are here for you. We are praying for you. Please do not be afraid to reach out. We might not be able to meet up in person, but we can FaceTime. We can Skype. We can Zoom. Uh, join our e-groups via Zoom. We always have a fun <laughs> yes, time. <plug> everything. <laughs> yes. yes. No, for real. I, I, that's like one of my favorite things that we do is our small groups, which we now transitioned over to Zoom groups because of everything um but yeah it's community like i was saying earlier community is so important so please don't feel alone we are here for you yeah definitely um ditto to what she said because of the fact that i know that a lot of people might think that we are unavailable as pastors but um, we want you to know that we are still here. We're still your pastors. We're still praying for you. We're still thinking about you. If you're struggling with something, let us know. We want to know so that we can pray pray for you. We want to know so that if you need someone to talk to, we're here to be that, that shoulder to cry on, that uh, proverbial shoulder to cry on, because we can't do that in person right now. Um, but we are here to listen um, and help any way that we can. Um, you know, I know that it can be difficult to reach out, but, you know, we are uh, available. We That is part of what we do, and one of the most important parts of what we do is pastoring our people and making sure that we know, that you know, and that everyone knows is that um, we're here to do the best we can to serve you. You know, that is our ultimately our job description, to serve our church, to pastor our church. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, go ahead, uh, make sure to, uh, what do you want people to follow you on? Uh, follow Gabriel and Lejinska on all platforms that you can find them on. You can if you want to. <laughs> if you want to, uh, but do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously follow, uh, Emmanuel Church, Temple Emmanuel, Power Youth. Uh, we are going to keep on doing these interviews and, you know, there's obviously other news, uh, that we are going to be posting up there and it's very important that uh, you follow us if you are a member or you just want to know, you know, stuff that's happening. Uh, we are going to be announcing some of the other interview participants and stuff like that. Um, if you want to be interview, uh, interviewed, uh, text Gabriel. And um, uh, with that, I would like to thank Gabriel and Lejitska for coming here today, for sacrificing Thanks your for time, your precious busy time to come here in front of me and uh, give... Let me give the privilege of interviewing you both. And uh, thank you for coming.